Hello, and welcome to Open Brief, a podcast from some of the most creative minds in the world. I'm Lucy Dwyer, and I'm here with co-producer Mimi Munoz to introduce today's episode. Hi, everyone. Before we start, a little bit about Open Brief itself. We started this podcast as a way to hear from our people about topics that most intrigued them. That's right. We essentially wrote an open brief and sent it to our network and had the most chaotic ideas come back to us. So we did the only thing that makes sense in a creative environment. We leaned in. As Dan Wyden once said, chaos is the only thing that honestly wants you to grow. The only friend who really helps you be creative. The chaos in today's episode is really pretty beautiful and comes from writing and communicating in a language that isn't your native tongue. Our hosts, WK Amsterdam creatives, Ani Santiago Quintas, Erica Morera, and Elena Knox, discuss the chaos they navigate as non-English native writers in the advertising industry. Forgetting words, mistranslating, or even bringing new meaning to old languages is all par for the course, but so is having a good laugh while you're at it. Listen as they talk about their own experiences as writers while also giving helpful advice to those navigating this space. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the episode of Open Brief. Hola, people. Uh, welcome to a new Open Brief episode. My name is Anis Santiago Quintas. My pronouns are she, her. And no, even if my name makes me sound like I'm a Spanish princess, I am not. But I am a writer from Spain working at WK Amsterdam. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today, being a writer and a non-English native writer specifically. And to do it, I have invited my girls, Elena Knox and Erika Moreira, to chat with me and share some insight into our shared experience. And they are wonderful. <laughs> and I love Hi. them so much. Uh, and thank you so much for being here with me. And I'm just going to let you introduce yourselves because I want people to love you too. So <laughs> my first question is, uh, actually, there's a few questions and not just one, but tell me your name, where you're from, what's your mother tongue, and what do you do at Wyden Kennedy? And if you want to add any other information that you feel is necessary, please, by all means. Of course, what's up? Hola, hola. Hola. I'm Elena Knox, artist formerly known as Elena Isabel Romeo Daher. <laughs> <laughs> From San Juan, Puerto Rico, y'all, the island, not the Bronx, though respect. Obviously, <laughs> for my New Yorkian friends, always much love. Um, and I'm a creative director slash writer at uh, White and Kennedy Amsterdam. Hola. Hola. <laughs> so glad to be here. Uh, my name is Erika Laís Serra Moreira. Yes, we have big names in Brazil. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, I'm from Brazil. Uh, my mother tongue is Brazilian Portuguese, and I'm also a writer here at Whiting Kennedy. Amazing. Um, so I come from a country where English is a mandatory subject in public schools, but the proficiency level after you finish school is by no means anything you could use professionally. Um, so that meant that I had to be really lucky with my parents because they <laughs> chose um, to put me in private English classes all my life and even gave up other hobbies to study English. Um, and I ended up having a pretty decent level of English by the time I finished my studies. And that's why I'm here today, really. So if my dad and my mom are listening to this, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, but I'm very curious to know where and how did you learn English? And if this is a shared experience in your country, because I was definitely really privileged to have parents that could afford this 
after school English classes mm. um, and I know not everyone can afford it and that's like a barrier yeah. when it comes to like maybe looking for jobs in other countries so mm. I'm really curious as to what the reality is both in Puerto Rico and in Brazil yeah so then like you Annie in Brazil is the same like in public schools the thing that we're learning there is verb to be colors numbers and these things so when you finish school you cannot like travel abroad or thinking about like working abroad or anything I didn't have this privilege to to learn English in private school, so I had to learn by my own. And I mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I'm really, I'm still learning <laughs> every time that I that I'm here. Like listening to you and in another meetings with like native people, I'm like, oh, let me stop here and write this 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 uh, word that I don't know what it means, but mm-hmm. it's so fancy, you know. Like yeah. I want to use it my <laughs> on my daily yeah. life. Uh, but yeah, the way that I found was like reading books, listening to music watch a bunch of films uh, and until nowadays uh, I do the same thing I watch a lot of TV shows uh, I read a, bo- a lot of like uh, newsletters I'm addicted to newsletters mm. if anyone needs a recommendation I can <laughs> send to you and yeah that was the way that I found uh, that's why I'm like okay I'm, I'm gonna do mistakes all the time because I, I yeah I didn't learn like properly you know like grammarly wise mm. I didn't learn how to do this so yeah That's that's my story. <laughs> that's so impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. And it's really interesting when we start talking about English as a privilege um, and that you there is a certain amount of privilege when you are exposed to English um, in countries like Brazil and Spain, whereas it's also interesting how in the States, if you know a second language, it's usually because your parents are immigrants, but, yeah. so, but you're also seen as less than. So, yeah. like, actually... You know, it's not, I don't want to say underprivileged people, but, you know, a lot of people in certain socioeconomic uh, positions in the U.S. are usually the ones that are bi or trilingual. Um, So kind of just like an interesting thing to point out. Mm -hmm. But um, my story is a little bit different. You know, Puerto Rico is a commonwealth of United States. So, you know, a lot of the island doesn't know English. But I also, you know, come from a privileged background. I went to a private American school growing up. Um, But when I was really little, I really only knew Spanish. Um, But I also do have American grandmothers on both sides. Mm. Um, So one of my grandmothers is from Hingham, Massachusetts, um, and the other is from Manhattan. Um, Mm. So, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Um, okay, so when people think of a podcast about non-English native writers who work in English, they're probably going to think there's going to be a lot of crying and complaining. <laughs> and like, I'm all up for Probably crying. we're going to be crying at some yeah, point here. But just <laughs> crying. Don't be surprised. Mm. But I don't want us to cry just yet. Okay, mm. okay. Um, because actually I think being bilingual or trilingual, I'm actually trilingual because I speak Catalan as well. Because I grew right, up in Barcelona. Of course you Ooh, do. Little flex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's a blessing and it is so nice I love it so much especially because of the amount of culture I can access through these languages and because I think language is kind of like a window through which you look at the world and it's almost like your vision expands it really like is awesome and a cool thing to celebrate being by and trilingual Quatch. I don't even know what you call someone that that uh, speaks for, Maybe but I, girl. <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like everyone can agree that knowing a lot of languages is really fun and cool. But I think the struggle when it comes to work is very invisible and not seen, which I know we're going to get to later. But I kind of just wanted to point that out that mm-hmm. like, you know, if people are listening and they're like, yeah, of course, it's pretty cool that, you know, they know more than one language. But there's definitely like... Um, like a barrier at work when it comes to that. Um, and prejudice. Is... 
so I want to know what's your favorite piece of work you've made in English and why and whether you think being bilingual influenced the work in a positive way, assuming that it cannot not affect the work because we're bilingual all the time. <laughs> of course. So, so for me, when I, when I first joined Whiting, uh, they put me in a project for Duolingo, <laughs> which was really convenient at that time. Uh, we did like end of the year campaign for Duolingo in 2021. Uh, I'm really proud of the, you know, like the spots that we launched, but the process for me was like the, the most important thing because we could like bring what we are feeling when it comes to speak another language. I remember that we present a route about fear not, the fear that you, that you fear, that you feel when you are about to speak a, a new language. Mm -hmm. It was like everything that I was feeling at that time, mm. <laughs> you know. Unfortunately, this route never saw the sun of light, but it was really nice, like this, this campaign, like to bring like real insights from the things that we were feeling. The whole team was also non-native non people, so mm. everyone could relate with the, with the insights and bring like more, more things to, to construct it. And then like we had to record like VOs in Portuguese, in Spanish, mm. in US English, UK Eng English. It was like a lot of language to, to learn from at that time. Mm. I was like so scared, but it was really nice at it the end of really the year. Nice. It, was, it was really nice at the end of the year. And then most recently, I think the, the one that we did for Caster Samania for Nike, the so print, good. because the way that I thought the headline, it was like, in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And then I present you to the CD and then he said like, oh, this is so fucking amazing. It's super nice. But then when I was presenting to the to my other colleague, Kervins, he, he's an excellent writer, writer, by the way. I love him. <laughs> If you're listening to it, <laughs> you know that he we love you. Yeah. You're the is. best. And then he was saying, no, maybe like the, the, line, the line is, how good can a woman be until she's too good to be a woman? In Portuguese makes sense, the translation of this line. But then when I was showing two curves, he was like, maybe it's better to, to put before instead of until. And then we have a lot of, a, a long conversation about mm -hmm. this. And then at the end of the day, Afghani said, no, let's go, let's go with the first one. I like the, you know, like the way that, that the passion that you're bringing for this line. Don't touch magic. <laughs> he said, don't touch like, magic. Don't touch Period. magic. I was like, okay, but until today, I think it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, favorite ad with bilingual. I mean, it's uh, I've been at Widen for a year and a half, and I'm compelled to say Widen work, obviously. Um, but it's been interesting to see how like the bilingualism plays a role here versus in the states. But I am gonna do a throwback to a campaign I did not do at Widen. Okay. Um, but I did a campaign for um Huggies diapers like two or two years ago now. Um and. It was really fun to relaunch that brand because the insight around this spot we did was um, it's pretty great to be a baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the way the the camera was basically POV of a baby. So you we had all these different like cultures and people and people of different backgrounds like interacting with camera like it was a baby and like, you know, knowing how like in Spanish it's always like Ay, cosita linda you know <laughs> like the way you talk to babies and you get in their face and like oh my god when I went to Puerto Rico and I was pregnant like people would touch my belly all the time there's just like no and they're always like bless you God bless you <laughs> no boundaries God bless the baby yeah there's no boundaries <laughs> 
and they're it's really in your face. But I definitely got to bring a little bit of that to that campaign, which was really fun. And and also having just become a mother, it was yeah. just one of those projects where I was really able to bring like the female perspective, the mother perspective, the Puerto Rican thing, the bilingualism. Because in that spot, we also had pieces that weren't English in it. I will say I recently did a thing for Amazon Music, too, uh, where there was, like, a reggaeton thing. <laughs> and she does this, like, Spanglish line where she was like, yeah, pero, have you heard? Uh, and it's so just, nice. like, one word, but you're just like, the pero's in there and it feels right. Because that's exactly <laughs> how we talk, you, you know? You know it's, it's real. You know it's yeah. real. Mm-hmm. And bringing that Spanglish into a, into a campaign and into an ad was my first. So that was, uh, that was really fun. Yeah. I love that. I think for me, I mean, the one that I have thought about talking is we made a book for Nike Middle East recently Mm -hmm. and it was a children's book that was like a dream for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like a Dr. Seuss style written book. But I just think all the poetry that I've read my entire life and all the references that I've had until that moment came really useful. And I did look at Dr. Seuss books to work on it. But mostly, I mean, I wasn't like imitating Dr. Susan. I was like, actually, the references that you bring from home are as useful as the English references and sometimes even more useful because there's other structures, there's other ways the syllables work, there's other ways of rhyming words and sounds. So it was a really interesting experience because I just think you have this like second lens to look at the language through. And then we also translated it to Arabic, which I had nothing (laughs) to do with (laughs) for obvious reasons. I just briefed the translator. Um, But it felt really special. It's so beautiful. Thank you. I really yeah, well, love it too. I like also, pretty. She's pretty. Yeah. But I also know that you're being humble right now because your girl is a published poet. I, I know am. this for a fact. Anna's a published poet, has yeah. her own book. So this is secondly, you're technically your second publication. Yeah. Third. 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 <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. Third publication. Sadly flexing through the podcast. That's right. Oh no, your girl, that flex is deserved. We gotta we gotta mm-hmm. hype each other up. Thank of you, course. Anna. All the time. That's why we're here. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so what about being bilingual? Do you think makes the work stronger? Yeah, I mean, definitely the the top and and most obvious answer is insight into culture, right? Because languages they're inherently tied. Um, so you 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 automatically have a way into a perspective that perhaps someone that doesn't, because you know Spanish. At least for me, like. You know, I come from and I know Puerto Rican Spanish, but obviously like you you learn growing up and meeting different people, how different Colombian, Mexican, Argentinian, Mm -hmm. Uruguayan, Chilean, Cuban, you know, like it's all so different. So you try to bring obviously yourself and what you know into it. But yeah, the direct tie to culture and that different perspective is cool. But also I have to say like you kind of have an in into thinking about word structures a different way. Like yeah. if you're if you're doing direct translations and it sounds kind of cool, but no one's ever heard of it or like there's this saying in Puerto Rico that a lot of Puerto Ricans know because it's a famous song, but it's um, Yo sería boricua aunque naciera en la, nu- en la luna, which means mm. I'd be Puerto Rican even if I was born on the moon. But you can take those kind of sentiments and turn them into like do something in English that kind of has the same sentiment, you know, and yeah, just those those phrases and uh, those things you learn along the way. Just they give you just 
extra ingredients to play with, essentially. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with Elena. And I think also, like, the... I mean, if you don't have, like, enough words just to explain the work, you you need to simplify everything. It's mm-hmm. like the idea needs to be good, you know? Like, you, yes. you need to feel comfortable, like, selling that thing for your CDs, for your clients, for your partner, mm-hmm. for anyone else. So I think less... Is more in this case. It's Otherwise, it's gonna be like, oh my god, I don't know how to speak like this this word anymore. I don't know how yeah. to explain this anymore. So, mm. I think it's like less is more. This is something that I've been learning in, in the past year, and also, like we're gonna do mistakes, mm. and this is also something that opens, you know, like more doors for yeah. you to explore, to go there, to you know, like you're gonna do mistakes. You know that, and at least I know that I'm, I'm gonna do mistakes. Oh, me too. That's why I'm like <laughs> fearing, you know, like. Um, leaving myself to explore more things and yeah like being more free to do that yeah and i think it opens up a space of vulnerability as well because yeah. like yeah. when you're capable of doing that in front of other people i think it removes the tension from others yeah. too. Exactly. even if they don't have the same problem yeah. suddenly it's just like oh she's human yeah. and yeah. Like, it reminds you that you're human too I exactly think. Yeah. exactly I love this point, though, that, like, when you're bilingual and if you perhaps have less English, well, then you're perhaps less verbose. Like, what a gift. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. So your write-ups are tight, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's great. I love that. Yeah, that's you a have great perspective. no fluff. Exactly. There's no fluff because <laughs> there's, no there's fluff. just, uh, yeah, it's yeah. too hard to get there. Yeah. I love that. That's great. I yeah. also loved your point because... Uh, about like the um, looking at like sentences and maybe yeah. ways that yeah. like I'm not making any sense right now but like yeah grabbing you stuff are. from your native tongue yeah. and translating it to English because you realize there is something like it gives you more tools yeah I was back home now for the Christmas break and I went to the groceries with my mom mm. and we were in the supermarket and she said it in Spanish but if you translate it to English it was like do you want me to buy tangerines? I go fucking insane eating tangerines. <laughs> like she said, me vuelvo yeah, loca yeah. comiendo yeah, mandarinas. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly I just started laughing so much. And she was like, why are you laughing so much? And I was like, because it's almost like you look at your own language from the outset. And I was like, yeah. it's so funny. You just said you go insane eating yeah. tangerines. And she was like, are you dumb? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, so that. suddenly you grab that, you translate it to English and it's yeah. like, you have a joke or you have a, yeah. a different way yeah. of talking about something. It's interesting. Yeah, also, uh, when I write dialogue, it's always translated from Spanish. Mm. Like when I write dialogue in English and scripturing, I, I, I would always do this like, hello, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> My Open name. Scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> But in Spanish, like I'm much more comfortable understanding like where a conversation starts in the middle. Yeah. You know, versus like in English, like that small chat or chit chat I, it was hard for me to kind of uh, master that in script so yeah when I write scripts with dialogue I, I always start the dialogue in Spanish in my head okay so I know I said no crying but we can always <laughs> cry here no but I'm not crying I promise uh, I do want to talk about what the hardest parts of doing what we do are because it isn't always easy you have your own barriers, but there's also like in the States, I know it's like a very racist country. And knowing that you're coming from like mm-hmm. an immigrant background or even an immigrant family, mm-hmm. even if you were born in the States, is going to make people look at you differently mm-hmm. or perceive you differently in the workplace. So I wanted to talk about what you find hardest when working in English, because for me, for example, it's humor. 
Like I always say, when I try to, like, yeah, write a joke, say a joke sometimes, yeah. I always feel like a decaf version of myself. I'm like, you know, el yeah. sazón that yeah, you yeah, say yeah, in Puerto yeah. Rico, like the yeah. sauce, yeah. the spice. I'm yeah, like, yeah. no, I'm a white piece of chicken yeah. with no salt <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or sugar or yeah, anything. Yeah. It's yeah. just like plain ass. And uh -huh. I'm like, mm, so funny. Yeah, yeah. So what's the hardest for you? I, for me... I I resonate with the thing that you said. For me, it's, as I said before, it's so so difficult to try to be funny in English. And I don't know, in my mind, I'm always dumb. You know, like everyone feels like, ah, oh, this, this girl is a stupid girl. Like she's trying to do something funny here, but still, of course, it's not working. But this is in my mind. But then some people laugh at eventually. So, okay, I'm like, okay, I'm at least I'm worked. Big, okay. small, small wings. Yeah. But when I first started, like, so, yeah, I moved from Brazil to Amsterdam to be a English copywriter out of nowhere. I had like just a small experience like presenting things at Widening Sao Paulo, you know, like presenting decks for people from Nike in Portland in there. It was like so basic. So when I joined here, I was like, fuck, I lost my my magic power, you know, mm. like my sauce, as you're mm. saying. Like I lost everything that I that I had before. Mm. And then I had to become something else. Mm. Which is a good thing because I, I now I've I'm I'm being like a version of myself that uh that in the past I didn't know that it was possible to be you mm -hmm. know, uh, but in the beginning it was like this I lost my magic power I lost hmm. all the words that I know I lost every I I, I have to learn I have to 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 yeah to construct everything to be a writer here. Hmm. And until nowadays, I still like feel, you know, like the lack of confidence. It's good. Like when we are working with a creative director that gives you space to write, to do mistakes and mm -hmm. to present things and etc. It helps with these things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I still like suffer. I still suffer from, you know, like a, le a lack of confidence. I'm pretty self-conscious that I'm pronouncing things wrong. And yeah, am I going to mistake Grammarly things here and there? But still I'm doing and yeah, that's the part that I'm most proud, I guess, that I'm putting myself there and some people, yeah, they'll never have like the, the courage to do this, mm. I guess. Yes, exactly. It's interesting what you're saying because like you're, it's incredible and courage is a great word that, you know, you took this job in Amsterdam to write in English like professionally on an everyday basis for the first time and all I can think is like fuck like if she's this good in English like imagine what it is in Portuguese yes. like and I feel like that's really the case with a lot of our writers I mean at least in the Amsterdam office none of the writers are English native speakers that are CDs true. so we're from Puerto Rico France and Russia um, so all to say, like, that it's not a mandatory job requirement to continue to grow and get yeah. to the levels that you want to get to. But yeah. it's just, it's incredibly impressive that, like, one of the best pieces of work you did was headline-driven Yeah, in <laughs> English. That headline, too. I know. I saw it and I was like, fuck, I wish I would have written that. I know. <laughs> and for Nike, so it's pretty impressive. Thank you. Um, yeah, for me, one of the tricky things about being um, bilingual is the lack of knowledge in slang. Mm. So uh, yeah. I, you know, most of my career was in the States. Um, it's also, you know, why I have such a an American accent. 
Um, but like when I got to college, I knew like I spoke like formal English like out of a textbook. Like I, you know, I remember the day I learned the word clutch. You know, oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> a slang, and it was uh, my best friend of fifteen years was the one that taught me, and and to this day we're still best friends. Um, and he's the best, but like, he still finds so much entertainment in teaching me slang because <laughs> it's something that like, I feel like I still need to know. And what's crazy is that, you know, I thought I had kind of like nailed that down and I was cool. And then I moved to Europe and like, fuck, you've got like the Brits yeah. with their like knackered. I yes. was like, what is knackered? <laughs> and just Are you okay? <laughs> like... It's um, and like one of my partners at work is uh fucking brilliant, but he, you know he's a Londoner and like really <laughs> like a '90s rave kid. And sometimes his slang, I'm just like, I have no idea what you're saying. I'm a, I'm a nod my head. I'm a pretend. Um, and listen, like you can say that's true of also just like any American that's coming to Europe that you know you're gonna you're gonna have deficiencies in the way you know people slang from different countries and stuff like that happens. But I I definitely feel like I'm I'm at a deficiency there. Um, and also just learning the slang from like you know sp like Spain Spanish speakers like didn't have as much exposure to that like I know all the slang from the Ricans the Dominicans like you know the the bigger uh, Spanish speaking populations in the states but you know the European Spanish also is is new so you know it's not that it's a deficiency it's just I'm surprised at how much I'm still learning that stuff mm. you know even now as a as a CD you kind of feel like you, I definitely don't feel like I know everything so so far from that. But you're like, you know, I'm comfortable. Like, I can do this writing thing. And, and then you're kind of, like, turned upside down again. And it's actually, I have to say, I it's pretty fun and it's humbling, you know, yeah. to just know that you're expanding and growing in such a meaningful way. Yeah. It's really refreshing to hear from a CD as well, those words. Because I think it's a little bit like when you're a kid and you see adults and you're like, they have everything figured out. Yeah. I think for creative sometimes <laughs> with CDs, it's similar. You're like, oh, she knows everything. And actually yeah. just hearing you say that and that you're still learning and expanding, it's like, oh, yeah. this doesn't stop. Yeah, oh no, never, never, yeah. never. And you should, you also shouldn't wish for it to stop because God, isn't it? I feel so bad for people who know everything, you know, or yeah. think they do. It's like, how boring, you know, because if you know anything, if you know everything, it means you have no room to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Okay, so now, because I think you're both really wise, uh, I wanted to ask for some advice. Oh, my God, I made that rhyme. That was <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Can't stop copywriting. <laughs> Such a poet. <laughs> Such a poet. Uh -huh. um, is there something managers, your colleagues or the agency you think can do to support people with your experience? Like you, for example, came and you weren't feeling really secure about your English. Maybe yeah. if you have something you could suggest that they could do to like help you in that process of growth. Um, you as a CD, maybe you have advice for CDs. Uh, well, I mean, just tell me. Yeah, so when I joined, I was like completely lost and fearing and everything else. And I told like to the resource management <laughs> uh, that I was feeling like that. And it was like bringing me a lot of anxiety and yeah, bad things. And my mind was like really not in a good place at that moment. 
and then they start like doing thing a thing that is like putting putting me together with an, a senior writer so mm. i could learn from that person in the beginning and then until i i i, I have like an confidence and all, enough confidence to to do the thing by myself mm-hmm. This is actually the first project that I'm doing by myself with my partner, with Sabella. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm like most, I think I'm super proud of the project and the things that we are doing now. Because for the first time, I I see that I, that I'm, that I, yeah, that I'm, that I'm me again, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't need to, to, to ask, ask for permission or to, oh, yeah. you know, like to show a lot of things to another writer and then see maybe the person cutting the things that I wrote and rewriting because yeah maybe the way that I wrote is not really good and etc. So yeah, but it's good, but it's good to 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 learn from a senior writer uh, and, and learn how 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 may, might be the the creative process for for that person mm-hmm. and also see that that person is also insecure. Uh, although some of these writers are native, they are also like insecure they shake in, in in meetings so it was it was also nice to see like this kind of things so i i could give like more space for me to be who i am and also mm-hmm. to yeah sometimes to feel nervous to prepare before meetings mm-hmm. to yeah to do mistakes of course um we also have manifest the manifesto club mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. here at Kennedy mm-hmm. <laughs> in amsterdam it was something that elena started mm-hmm. uh and we yeah, we can like me and other non-native writers. We can learn from her and her style to write like manifestos, because yeah, this is an agency that does a lot of big manifestos and remarkable ones. So we fear to you know to not be able to do these things. And then every time that we are together sharing our things, and we have like that safe space to do the things that we do mm-hmm. and to write about the things that we write, it's so so important so powerful mm-hmm. uh, yeah I wish all the widens could have a manifesto club <laughs> yeah manifesto club's fun and I actually can't take credit for it because actually another um, uh, another writer Ana Blanes um, or sorry Ana Cle uh, who's also a Portuguese speaking Brazilian writer yeah. um, approached me and said I really need help writing manifestos because she was assigned to write a manifesto for a client um, and she wasn't feeling super confident about it. So I stepped in as a as a favor sort of to just do it, you know, do a quick one. And she said, you know, how did you do that? Like, how do you write the manifesto? Could you please teach me? So to her credit and I, I really give it all to her because. I know how difficult it is to ask for help, especially yeah. when you're deep in the insecurities of feeling like you're coming with a um, a crutch or, or just something that's making you less than the rest of your writer friends. Um, but she asked for help and and said, you know, would it, you know, should we invite other people? And said absolutely. So we did eight months of of a uh, of manifesto club, and it was and it was awesome. And just to give you know people a little context, basically. We would give assignments on different tenements on on manifesto writing. So, you know, whether it was like writing in someone else's voice. Um, so, like, if you're going to write a manifesto about, you know, uh, different topics that were all non-ad related, by the way. So it's like, write me a manifesto about why I should become a vegan or <laughs> write me a manifesto around why I should or should not have children and then, you know, we applied different things, like whether it was 
keeping a central argument or identifying an enemy or yeah, like writing in someone else's voice. Like how would you write it if it was uh, Samuel Jackson? Like how would he deliver this kind of thing? Because, you know, obviously different clients have different personalities and you need to know how to flex that tone. Yeah. So the manifesto club is, is awesome. It's just, yeah. I think the thing that's the most fun about it. And I, I highly recommend it. If anybody wants to start it in the office is to see the progress is just incredible. Um, yeah, so it, it basically everyone writes a manifesto and then, you know, three weeks later you meet, you read the manifesto and then everyone in the club kind of critiques and says what yeah. could have been better, um, what was really good, what was convincing, is everyone head nodding. Um, so, yeah, so that's been an awesome resource, but I, I feel so humbled to be a part of it because I cannot believe, like, how dedicated and just what good writers uh, I get to work with um, that are now, you know, incredible manifesto writers and just needed the tools uh, to put their thoughts on paper. So that was awesome. But, you know, as a I just want to say that when English isn't your native language, there's this feeling of like, fuck, everybody knows it. The second I open my mouth, everyone's going to find out. And yeah. the second anyone sees my words, surely they'll see a mistake. But I like all I care about are ideas like if the things you're saying are insightful and if you're writing down a really good idea I can help you edit to kingdom come like <laughs> it's just and that's the thing I wish writers or bilingual trilinguals non-native um writers knew is that if you're confident in your ideas and if you're confident in what you're trying to put forward the words are the easy part but the words can be taught and the ideas can't really. Yeah. Um, and I'd say another, just like one very quick tip um, for managers or people who are looking at writing is for non-English speakers, it's super helpful to track changes. This is just like um, uh, basically a, a Google Doc function where you can, whenever you make a change, the writer can see what it is that you changed and why. Oh, so nice. that if it's a misspelling, if it's the words in the wrong place, they can kind of track the edits. Um, this is a super visual and quick way, you know, for writers to see where their errors and their mistakes were. Um, so this is another tool. And, and, you know, like, does it take time and does it take work? Yes, but ultimately it behooves everyone um mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i don't have much to add personally because i think you both have covered most of the things that i would say but for me i really resonated but i mean you both said that that you always see not being native as a flaw because the good writers yeah. are native and the people who like can do the things that you can't do are native mm -hmm. so i think just having that awareness from the agency and making sure that there are people like you who are doing this manifesto clubs like that's yeah. your fucking time you could mm -hmm. be scratching your belly in your sofa or <laughs> yeah. working on something else but you choose to invest that time yeah. in helping these people grow like make sure that your managers one have that time because if you have to do that but then you don't have time to go hang out with your kid after after school i was mm. gonna say after work <laughs> mm. that's a problem but just make sure that things are in place for you to nourish this talent because this talent is feeling scared and insecure. Yeah. So the more spaces of growth and the safe spaces of growth you can provide, the better. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I feel like coming from your perspective, the Manifesto Club is like, um, you know, making talent that feels insecure, feels seen and more comfortable. But from my perspective, Manifesto Club is just like polishing torpedoes. Yeah, it's like (laughs) it's just this talent that's just like waiting in the chamber to be released. And all it needs is just like a little polish to know how to like come out and really be seen in the way yeah. that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, it's a, it's a thing that really benefits everyone, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it has that safety. Of it course. It gives you that safety. Cause I remember I was absolute ass at writing manifestos <laughs> when I started yeah. like caca. Yeah. It was terrible. I was really bad yeah. and I had to learn by being really fucking anxious until yeah. Yeah. one day I did something right. And I was like, ah, oh, this must be it. Yeah. Cause I felt a lot like you. I was just like, Oh, who yeah. am I? Like you lose your identity because yeah. a lot of your identity is tied to your skills. If suddenly you don't have the skills, you're like, who yeah. am I? What am I? Where, where does my worth come from? I mean, that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. But yeah. when you have a space like that, you have someone who's giving you directions. Yeah. And I could have asked for direction for my CDs, but that's also scary. Of course. Because you're yeah. like, oh, they hired me. I should know how to do this. And then you realize you don't need to know how to do everything. But when you're in that scared place and you're... In the beginning, like, yeah. yeah. You don't want to ask for help. You're just like, you're going to take every chance you get to prove yourself that you can do it. Because you have a deep belief that you cannot. (laughs) So when you have spaces like this where they're like, oh, no, bitch, you're not meant to know everything. Quite the opposite. Of course. It's so... (sighs) I mean, just a very quick note on that. Just remember that you're never hired for the person you are on day one. Mm. Yeah, you're. That's not why people are hired to jobs. To frame that, put it at the. Can I? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But really, because I think if you if that's your mentality going into a job, especially non-native writer, you know what I mean. Like you're being hired because they know you got this. That's it. You just got to believe it, especially Mm. at a place like this. You know. Okay, so now we are crying. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> the final piece of we are crying price. now. So. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I want to end on a positive note. So let's have a little laugh. It's all positive, girl. So I mean, good. it was positive. Yeah, true. Yeah, I was just yeah. reading the script. <laughs> on a funny note, um, what's an oops moment you've had at work because of? the language issues like do you have a funny story you want to share i have mine but i want to hear yours too so uh yeah the most recently one i think it was after after the break uh, yeah like i spent the break here in amsterdam with my partner and we spent like all the time speaking portuguese of course brazilian portuguese so the day one back in work i had to to go for a meeting for with clients and then i couldn't see like i couldn't speak rehearsal I was like her, her. her. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't speak rehearsal. I mm. I don't know what happened, but yeah, my tongue was like blah 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 blah. I could I couldn't speak, and then yeah, someone from account jumping and <laughs> helped me <laughs> to deal with this moment. Uh, yeah, but this is like yeah, the most the most the, <laughs> the most recent one. But but now I'm every single day I'm I'm waking up and I rehearsal. Rehearsal. You're rehearsal. rehearsing the rehearsal. I'm rehearsing. Yeah, I'm re- yeah, exactly. I'm- <laughs> That's awesome. I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. That's hilarious. Well, I have to tell you, I my my oops of being bilingual is like being too confident in my Spanish. So I'll like 
go up to people and like start talking shit in Spanish and realize that like it's not just the one person that I'm talking shit to in Spanish. It's like everyone in the room. <laughs> or like um like everyone else understands Spanish too. Like so my soulmate and former creative partner um in the beginning of my career she was from Argentina and obviously I'm from Puerto Rico and uh. we used to like speak Spanish all the time. Like we're in front of a director or something and he's being moody and we're like, este tipo necesita, <laughs> este necesita un granola bar. Like he just like, we're just like talking shit. Like this guy, we got to give him a banana yeah. to get in a better mood or something, you know, like but just like, it was just like code obviously. But then you don't realize that like, ah, uh, like, the director actually speaks Spanish. Oh this is something God, I like yeah. was very grateful to find out very early on from the likes of like Ian Pons <laughs> Jewel when we were filming <laughs> oh the Oh my god. Yeah, we filmed uh, the Mont Blanc Killian work with Ian, who's awesome, by the way. But he like I was saying something in Spanish because we were shooting in Mallorca and he responds <laughs> in Spanish and I was like, thank you. God, I know this guy knows Spanish now because heaven forbid I say something about him in Spanish. And he's yeah. right because he has an English accent, but he's half Menorcan. Yeah. Uh. Um, so, yeah, so it's uh, I've had to zip it. Um, obviously, <laughs> more obviously more people know Spanish. I even went up to the talent once um, who had a hot mic on. And I was talking to him in Spanish about one of the clients. And I was like, yo, I'm so sorry. They're asking for all these takes. Like, I think you're killing it. But, you know, my clients, like, I don't know. I don't know what's up with them. I, this was, like, very junior in my career. And my client knew Spanish and was hearing the whole thing through the headphones. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> and you were like, hola. I know. I'm like, ah. Yeah, so you learned that that lesson quickly and only once. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably the mistake I'll, I, I continue to make. That's so funny. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but my story, I mean, it's not the funniest story, but whenever I think about I think it's a cringe story. Mm. But basically, we were doing this campaign for Duolingo. Mm. And we were targeting the Congress people in the U.S. Yeah. to keep studying Spanish beyond yeah. the election because you see right. all these videos. Hola. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hola, como estas? Yeah. yeah, and it's really weird. Like they have hola, like a Texas. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. And so whenever I had to present. Everything was written in Spanglish, but for some reason, I chose to put an English accent on everything. So I was like, hola, congresistas. Oh, Doing the same just, as <laughs> And I was just reading it like I was like, a, I don't know, like a mom from Midtown New York, I just trying it. to speak Spanish when she's never heard a word of Spanish yeah. in her life. Uh-huh. And at some point, Hannah Smith, that was like the greatest her, she was like, why are you reading it like this? And yeah. I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I got used to it. I was just great. like, less elecciones. And yeah. just no sense. Oh my God. No <laughs> but suddenly I picked up the English accent and I was like, I'm in my English bag now. Yeah. And I'm not exactly. Spanish. It's gone. Forgotten. Oh God, adios. Great. Yeah, adios. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, people had a good laugh. I was a bit like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Do I know how to speak Spanish anymore? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, no, the accent is gone. Yeah. I've tried to hide it so mm-hmm. much, it abandoned my body. And by the way, I know this is the last question, but I want to say this really quickly. The there's accent conversation more. is, oh, there's one more. Yeah. The accent conversation is an, an interesting one, too, mm. because uh, yeah. my parents, you know, being from Puerto Rico, they had such a focus on me not having an accent in Spanish because they knew how people kind of responded to English speakers in Spanish, especially in the States. Like, 
you know, having an having a, a Caribbean Spanish um, accent and English in the states is is akin to not being intelligent. I mean, you assume yeah. that person is, you know, of a lower socioeconomic, you know, background, which is totally fine. Obviously, no judgment, but but that's the immediate assumption. And so, because they grew up with this, the focus on no accent was such a big one. Um, but what's interesting for me now and, and now that, you know, this is much more accepted and talked about is that to me, the indication of language is the indication of bilingualism or trilingualism, which is a really beautiful thing. Like people are very often very surprised to hear me speaking Spanish um, and, and also speaking in Spanish without an accent. Um, so no accent in either. And it's uh, it kind of makes me sad to be hidden but hidden because of the intention of people not judging me for knowing another language. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. I mean, I so resonate with that because I mean, I've tried really hard to hide my to hide my accent. Yeah. If people hear me speak in Spain, they might not hear my Spanish accent. I know you hear it, for example, yeah. and you definitely hear it too. It's mm. not the thickest, but yeah. for me to be taken seriously as a writer, I was like, my English is okay now. Yeah. The way they're gonna believe that I know what I'm doing is if I sound like them. That's right. So yeah. I've really forced myself to try to sound American. Yeah. Because I know if I sound Spanish, like, but even now, like when people that are English native meet me, they always assume I'm an art director. Oh, and they're yeah. like, no, it's because you dress well. And I'm like, no, bitch, it's because I have a little accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, not- girl, whenever people meet me, they think I'm a producer. So what? don't worry. You're good. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not cool enough. It's fine. I've accepted it. I'm comfortable with it. At least they think you're creative. Yeah, I don't know. They're always like, it's because you dress well. I'm like, yeah. I'm dressed in all black. Yeah, and fine. Take it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. But then, I hear you. Yeah, the indication of an accent makes them think that you couldn't be a writer. Yeah. How is it for you with the accent? With the accent, uh, honestly, I don't care. I, <laughs> I don't care. In the other day, uh, I was in a store, and then I was like talking with the with the person in there, and then she said like, Ah, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from Brazil. And I, what a beautiful accent. I was like, Well, mm. you thank you. Beautiful accent. Thank you. You know, like, because we are oh, every time we are like, oh no, we need to hide our accent. Mm. But I don't want to do that. Otherwise, I'm yeah. gonna be hiding my story and the mm. place where I came from. And for me, it's like imagine like I'm the first one of my family to speak English and to live Boom. in another country. That's fucking great. So yeah. I, I I don't want to to yeah, hide there's this. A, there's a pride associated with that. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I don't want to hide this, and I, I'm not gonna do any effort to to try to to hide. That's awesome. God, I'm confident, and then I don't know if some people think, if just, some people think that I'm art director. Some people tend to think that I'm art director. Cause you dress <laughs> well, because <laughs> yeah. you dress well too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I'm gonna take this compliment, but yeah. Of course. <laughs> but you know what? I'm like, no, I'm a writer here, um, and yeah, and then sometimes, like when you are in the in these Zoom meetings with a lot of native speakers, everyone wants to speak something and they speak perfectly mm. and when you are a no native writer sometimes you tend to listen to the conversation more than speak mm-hmm. but when you speak you have something to say you know you're, ju- you're not just like speaking something there just to check the box or yes. ah yeah I speak in this uh, I spoke in this meeting or something else yeah. no I'm, I'm fine with that um, whenever I I want to speak something I speak and whenever I feel comfortable I do it and the thing is that most recently, I, I feel that I'm becoming more confident uh, and speaking more and asking questions and, you know, like, do my thing. 
And I see that some people see that that, that importance too, you know, like of raising questions and seeing things that some people might not see. Um, and yeah, bring something different for to the yeah. table, you know, like, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to be hiding my accent. Sorry. I love that. And <laughs> shout out to all the listeners, like people who just listen. It's yeah. such a gift. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you're actually inspiring me. I mean, now I can't remove the Ola accent, <laughs> but you know, like, That's such a beautiful way of thinking about it. Like me, I'm going to get emotional, but me being able to speak English means that my parents made this effort and that yeah. they wanted this future for exactly. me. Exactly. And what you said about your family, like you being the first person in your family mm -hmm. speaking English, like that is so beautiful. And yeah. also you coming from Puerto Rico, it's like mm. our accents actually tell our family story. Mm. And we have them because we've had to make the fucking effort of learning yeah. another language that's right like when yeah. people give me any shit i mean people usually don't give me shit for making mistakes but mm. if someone makes fun of it or something i'm like pues ahora vamos a hablar en español y te vas a acabar. <laughs> like, we're gonna speak in spanish you're gonna shit yourself because you can't say a fucking word yeah, yeah exactly. you can only speak one language so yeah. humble your little ass because <laughs> if we're fighting i'm gonna change languages and then you're gonna have nothing to do yeah and then you're done Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I finish you in Spanish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, um, so I would want to end with a little bit of advice for the next generation of non-English native writers who might be listening to this and maybe need some words of hope or mm -hmm. encouragement. So, yeah, what would you say to an aspiring non-native copywriter uh, that wants the job that you have but maybe doesn't feel confident going, going for it? Y'all looking at me, but honestly, like, <laughs> I'm just so inspired by your stories. Like, to be the first English speaker in your family, and now you write professionally <laughs> in English. And for you to take, like, extracurricular classes in English, like, after school, like, and now you also write professionally in English. Like, it's just incredible what you're able to accomplish. And you're both women. Like, it's just, it's... It's just awesome to to see and to get to know you and to get to work with you and I it's just um if if you it's I think it's unfair and you can't say if you want it you can have it to anyone because that's just not true mm -hmm. like we obviously you know recognize the privilege and you know our circumstances and the way that we ha were exposed to English and all of these things um but you know the confidence and the courage that it took it to, to me it's more of a confidence thing than it is anything um and and i go back to what i said earlier if if you want to be in this business and you've got good ideas like the english can be learned and the ideas are are trickier to teach and a little bit of dose and some big girl pants and and you're well on your way but i think the the maybe the one other thing I would say is that the language thing is probably much more in your head than the people around you. Mm -hmm. yeah. It can be so all consuming and it can just be every mistake is a is a constant reminder of your shortcomings. And in fact, um, no one's really thinking that like no one's thinking about it nearly as much as you are. And asking for help is, you know, yeah. rad. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. and no one will ever be like, ah, oh, no one's ever going to be bummed that you're asking them for help with English. That's just not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, it's the same. Like, be brave enough to ask for help. 
I think, yeah, this is the the most important thing. Be comfortable about being uncomfortable. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> because speaking like this, it's like, and putting ourselves every single day yeah. in meetings and things and to sell ideas. It's a such it's uncomfortable it's very yeah. uncomfortable you're expo- I don't know you feel like very exposed in there yeah. like selling that and say those things for clients um, so yeah I think it's like being comfortable in being uncomfortable and also like don't compare yourself you know like mm-hmm. we're, we're here for more than one hour speaking about our backgrounds mm-hmm. the place where we came from our family the importance of our family our accents the how our culture influences our work um but i you know like everyone has a different background and this is why we are here today and we should be proud about this background instead of like just comparing my writing with your writing and then with Annie's writing it's not fair it's like we are unique here mm-hmm. um don't 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 do this to yourself it's just like something that's gonna throw you to a very very dark place i guess um just be proud of the small achievements that you do every single day I know it's hard. Everyone know here. Everyone know here knows that knows know that's hard. We're gonna do mistakes. Feel comfortable with that uh, as well about like the exposure of like also doing mistakes all the time. But yeah, be brave enough to ask for help. To have people around you who's gonna be supporting you. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna be there for you whenever you feel like that you're not capable to do something. Mm-hmm. Someone that's, you know, make sure that you're going to have someone in there that's going to be encouraging you to to do. And yeah, and we are here, like whenever, if if someone wants to chat with us, yeah, like in our 100%. social media, in, yeah. yeah, I don't know, maybe to understand more about like our backgrounds or ask for help. We yeah, are. always, <laughs> we are always. Yeah. That's right. Your ladies at the Amsterdam office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reach out to us. <laughs> Reach out. Hombre. <laughs> Um, I just want to add, and especially to any women listening, because um, Sophie Worth, who used to be the recruiter of Biden and Kennedy Amsterdam, mm-hmm. once told me that men tend to apply for jobs even if they just meet two of the hiring criteria. <laughs> if women, if there's 10, if women don't meet 10, if they have nine and a half, mm. they keep themselves from applying to the job. And right. I can imagine that the language can be the a half from the nine yeah. and a half. Um, so I would just say apply for the job and mm-hmm. take it. I remember it. <laughs> you messaged me when you were considering yeah, whether to you. get the job in Amsterdam. Yeah. And you were feeling really insecure and you yeah. were like, I don't know if I should tell. I was like, no, take it. Take yeah. it and you'll figure it out. Like, if you've made it so far to learn a whole new language, what makes you think that you're not going to figure it out in the workplace? Like, yeah. apply for the job and if they give it to you, get it. Because... Look at you. Like, you're fucking <laughs> killing it. So uh, uh, Okay, I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, it's an example of, like, if you have that courage and... You're going to make me cry. <laughs> but if you have that courage and that confidence, it's yeah. like, you figure it out because yeah. people want to see you win. Eric told me, once told me this, our ECD, people want to see you win. And once you start believing that and you start yeah. trusting that you can ask for help... Yeah. If you're in the right environment, you you can thrive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have, Erica and I are looking at each other like... So wise. <laughs> so wise, these young writers. God, it's just awesome to see. Yeah, 
Mm. But, but yeah, it's like we are keep saying like, ah, oh, put yourself out there. You have to be, you have to have like this confidence, this this courage to do that. But it's hard, mm. you know. Like yeah. this first step, it's really, really, really hard. You're gonna doubt like every single thing about you. Mm. Uh, trust me. Uh, until one moment that it's like you know what you're comfortable mm-hmm. with, like with doing this every single day. You're comfortable, as I said, of like doing mistakes. You're comfortable in asking for help. Mm-hmm. We are comfortable with people around you mm-hmm. and yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for Thanks, being Annie. here with me. Thank with you me. so much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for recording the episode for <laughs> us. Thanks, yeah. Randy. Yeah. Love you so much. And so to you. the listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Gracias. Obrigada. Yeah. And Adios, maybe see you soon. Yeah, yeah. see you soon. See you soon, yeah. Why not? Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. And cut. Open Brief is produced by Louise Woodward, Mimi Munoz, and Lucy Dwyer. It's edited by Candice Mortier and includes original music by Louise Woodward.